there! This is the Evolution Sermon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more awesome. See you in church! And today I will add to this list three more qualities to have to be leaders. And I'm titling this message, You the Leader. So I want you to point a finger to yourself, to your heart, right at your heart. And, and tell yourself, say, you, the leader. <laughs> Clement is very enthusiastic. Okay, so you, I say you, the leader, because knowingly or unknowingly, consciously or unconsciously, right? Oh, sorry, not unconsciously, that, but that, that would be, you'll be sleeping, right? Subconsciously, you are already leading. Yes, you are already leading your life in a specific direction. So maybe a youth came to me and they say that, nah, no, 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 carries. I am the chill, laid back, you know, let life happens to me kind of person. I am not a leader. Well, you are a leader. You are leading your life in that direction, that chilled, laid back direction. So even if it's unintentional, it is heading somewhere. You are in the driver's seat of your life. So what kind of a leader are you, right? So I recently came across an interesting uh, two-by-two matrix by marketing luminary Seth Golding, a marketing strategist. Uh, he is an ex.com business exec. He's the author of a number of best-selling books. For all of you here, he's just basically a very, you know, a guru in marketing world. So he came up with a control slash responsibility matrix about leadership. So let me just caveat, okay, this is not the matrix of leadership, but it is one of the matrix that we can learn from. So you can see here on the x-axis, right, it is the level, um, sorry, it's not, oh yeah, the x-axis, the level of control that an individual has, whether they have control, no control. Y, which is, you know, the, the one that's going up, is the amount of responsibility a person takes, right? So we all make choices about the amount of control and the amount of responsibility we take. So top right-hand corner is our ideal. It's our you, the leader ideal, right? It is someone with control, someone with power and authority, someone who takes responsibility when things go wrong. They are also able to actually do something about the problem. Because they are skillful, they have authority, they have knowledge, they are, you know, able to, to solve the problem. So it's very interesting to me because Seth um, actually angles responsibility as our response when things go wrong. Because in my mind, I always think that responsibility is about the amount of things you do, right? The amount of things that you undertake. But no, he said responsibility is your response, what you do when things go wrong. And a leader's response is, they will say, I've got this. Okay, turn to your friend and say, I've got this. Because I'm trying to get you to be you the leader, right? So, and this is a phrase that many people will go out of their way to avoid saying. They don't want to be, you know, held responsible. At the bottom right is a disaster waiting to happen. In his own words, okay, this is a person who is obsessive about power and suffer delusions of their own power or importance. In case you're wondering what it is, it is the whiner over there. Okay, they are obsessed about power. They um, sometimes are deluded about their own power and their own importance. They think they are very important. They want to be in control and they want power. But the problem is they avoid responsibility, especially when things go wrong or when you know, the things that they want didn't happen. And they spend most of the time whining. Yeah. So at the top left-hand corner is someone who truly, right-hand corner, left-hand, your left-hand corner, truly cares, our monitor, right? So they bring empathy to situations, they help people feel seen. However, because they don't have power, either because they have denied that power, they they, they feel that, no, I'm not deserving. I, I, I shouldn't be in control. You get to have to say, not me. They are, is denied to them. So their willingness to want to take responsibility is kind of like a little bit, can't really stand ground. 
Seth said that this is one of the reasons why frontline workers, right? People who are always in the frontline, caring for other people, empathizing with other people, social work people, or you know, leaders, pastors, they they are they often burnt out. Yeah. And finally, in most situations, most people are in the bottom left-hand corner. They are our victims, okay? So when things go wrong, victims' instinct is to hide in a corner. They don't want to be held responsible. They don't want to be accountable for what happened. Uh, they also have very little control or they deny, you know, I, I'm not in power. I'm not in control of my life. Uh, they feel that the systems, people are pressuring them and they just have to accept what happens to them. So Seth encourages us that in many situations, not all, because, you know, life is not perfect, right? We don't always have control. But that in most situations, we should have the freedom and we should take up that decision to make a choice about our control and about responsibility. Choose the leader that we become. Okay? So when we talk about leadership, it's, it can be so many things, right? Well, Jesus' leadership is to serve others. Okay? Luke chapter 22, 24, 26, he says, Within minutes, the disciples, they were bickering over who of them would end up being the greatest disciple. But Jesus intervened, he says. Kings like to throw their weights around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be this way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act in part of the servant. So Jesus says that the greatest among you is the person who serves. In another verse, in 1 Peter 4, 10, it says, Serve each other according to the gifts each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. So leadership of many things, right? Leadership is bringing our better selves in service to others. It is to take responsibility for we. Responsibility to serve we. It is to bring my gifts, myself, to the table for the betterment of us together. So in many ways, leadership is not about who's the most talented or the most gifted person or the most outspoken person. It is to take responsibilities to say, I got this. And good news, any person can take up responsibility. Any of us can rise to serve. We all have something we can bring to the table. We are all able to do that. We are all encouraged in the Bible to do that. So leadership is bringing our better selves in service to others. And the key thing here is we are our better selves when we serve others. We are our best selves when we serve others. So I've shared this, a quote from anthropologist Margaret Mead, right? She said this, that we are our best when we serve others. So Margaret Mead, she studies human soci societies, cultures, and development. And one day, a student asked her, right? And she said, teacher, what is the first sign of civilization? And this student was expecting her to say something along the lines of like clay pots, you know, when humans start to know how to grind the stones together to make fire. And that's when civilization begins to evolve and progress to, you know, the society that we have today. So, but instead, she said that it was a thigh bone that has been broken and healed. Because in animal kingdom, right, no animal can survive a broken leg. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for the leg to heal and for them to, you know, get going. They often become prey to prowling beasts. So a broken thigh bone that has been healed signifies that someone has taken the time to stay with the person who fell down, injured, helped bound them, you know, like bound up their wound, carried the person to safety, tended the person to recovery. And she said helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts. And I will go so far to say, right, that that is when civilization grows and evolves and becomes better when we serve. We all become better humans, better selves, better societies, better communities when we serve. So I want to encourage all of you, all of us, to take up leadership. Because you are in the driver's seat. You are the person driving your car to be intentional in steering your life towards a better self and a better human. Also because we live in a 
connected, if not hyper-connected world. So all of us, we have a stake in where humanity is heading. It's never someone else's fault if something goes wrong. It is all our responsibility. So we all can do better to lead us better towards growth and change. So this message is not just for rising leaders. This message is for all you leaders. Okay? So the first one, um, L, right, is love. A leader loves. So 1 Corinthians um, 13, 1, 3, 2, 13 says that if I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing symbol. Very annoying, basically. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I gave away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Now, faith, hope, and love remains these three things. The greatest of these is love. So when I was a younger leader, right, uh, my leader, CJ, always encouraged me that of all the goals that I pursue, make love my goal as well. One of my goals. And this one advice has changed my mindset and everything I set out to do. Everything I set out to become. So maybe you may ask, why love? Why should a leader love? Because we don't just want to be great at what we do. We don't just want to be awesome and excellent with our work. We don't just want to be great leaders. We want to be good leaders. We want to be good. So Jack Ma said this in his interview with Bloomberg, right? He says, if you want to be respected, you need IQ. EQ. Come for next weekend to know about EQ. And LQ, which by the time, I mean, we know what's LQ, right? Love quotient. A machine does not have a heart. A machine does not have soul. A machine does not have a belief. But human beings, we have souls, beliefs, and values. So we may have high IQ and high EQ, but we got to love. At the end of the day, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. So how do we love better as leaders? Number one is care. Go care for someone. And this word care is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not something you know, but it's something you do. So I came across a really cute interview I really want to share with you, right? With a group of four to eight years old <laughs> on what does love mean to them? Very sweet and just very amazing answer. So Billy, four-year-old, he said this. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. Ah, you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Wow, I love this answer so much. Eh? Your name is safe in their mouth. And Terry, H4, he says this. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. And Nika, H6, says, If you want to love better, you should start with a friend whom you hate. <laughs> a a six-year-old said this. If you want to love better, you should start loving a friend you hate. Wow. So there are so, so many ways to show you care and to show that you love. To name a few, okay? First one is to celebrate wins and successes. Celebrate the wins and success of people. So for all youth leaders here, celebrate your team's wins. Small wins. In fact, any wins. When someone in your team succeeds in something, remember and celebrate them. And the thing is, call it out. Okay? Means talk about it. Share about it. Because you care about what they care about. What they have overcome. You care about them. Second one is to recognize and acknowledge people's work and commitments. So great leaders, I find, they have this capacity to see what goes on behind the scenes. So for example, right, CJ always makes the effort to recognize hard work and good work. In almost every busy periods of the year, um, be it renovation, big days, Christmas, events, right, she's always looked out for all our teams. 
especially look out for all our tummies. <laughs> because you know, right, young people, right, food is kind of important. So I don't know how many times uh, have I seen CJ making hot chocolate, buying coffee, buying McDonald's, bread, pals, and whatnot. If you have not seen, that's probably because you haven't been serving. <laughs> or you are a leader who don't pay attention to details. And this point is for you, okay? So CJ always uh, thanks our teams for their work and their commitments. Cindy always says this and I always laugh. She says, Pastor always works the hardest. Oh, no, Pastor works the hardest, but she always thanks the team first. <laughs> so to all our ministry ICs, youth leaders, rising leaders, start doing that. Start acknowledging, recognizing hard work and good work in your teams. Don't be quiet about it. If it's a good thing, talk about it. Call a good thing out. All right? Next one is to empathize with their struggles and difficulties. How do we care better? We can empathize. So I'll be the first to say that a leader's role is dynamic. When someone is struggling, there are times the leader's role is to encourage. Sometimes it is to listen. Sometimes it's to provide counsel. Sometimes it's to just journey with the person through it. Sometimes, other times, it's to challenge, it's to adjust their mindset. Sometimes it's none of the above. Other times it's all of the above. So it really depends. But one consistent thing a leader's role to do is to do what's best for the person in that season of time, within that relationship they, they share out of love. I know it's a long sentence because it is dynamic, it's complex. Very often, there isn't a right or a wrong way. It's just a good or a better way. The starting point is always empathy. Understanding and sharing in what they are feeling. Without empathy, it's very hard to do what's best for somebody. So I want to encourage us to empathize. And what's empathy? It is understanding and sharing in what one is feeling. So it's not easy. Understanding can be challenging. Seeing life through um, another person's lens that you are not used to, it can be very uncomfortable to say the least. But when you allow yourself to do that, I find that it broadens your mind and your heart to better serve and love somebody. Sharing in what people are feeling is challenging. Sharing in what they are feeling, especially painful experiences. So let me caveat. I don't mean let someone just offload their negative emotions on you all the time. Because that is inconsiderate. That is a lack of healthy boundaries on both sides. But the thing is, every leader has, also has a very different threshold of pain. Sharing in people's pain can be challenging. I will be first to admit that I find it very hard to hear and to um, read about negative news all the time. I know of leaders who have great capacity of that, really. They just, you know, they say, come, talk to me. And every day they can spend hours just listening and, you know, crying with the person, praying for them. And they're great. But for me, um, it gets to me. I'm bothered. I can't sleep. I remember as a younger leader, maybe even every now and then, when someone is struggling in their faith or struggling in their life or struggles in any kind of capacity, I take on their struggles. And I feel very deeply about them, very worried about them, very concerned about them. There was one time I remember I woke up, or many times I woke up in the middle of the night just heart palpitating, worried and anxious. And I can't help but to pray. I was like on my bed and praying like, God, please help this young person who is struggling in their faith. But one thing my therapist said that really helped me, that I thought would help you, is she said this, that to empathize with someone, it is about them. It's not about you. When you start to imagining yourself in their situations, you know, as you are listening to their problems, right? And you start to imagine the anxiety rising. I mean, that problem, oh my gosh, this problem is so humongous. Stop right there and remind yourself that this is about them. 
It is not about you. Put the focus back on them. She said that it is possible to listen to someone, to connect with someone, to even connect with their pain and provide genuine support and love for them because you are doing what you can for the person. It's not about you and how you're feeling. So it takes effort to care. But then again, caring can be the smallest of gestures. Agree? And often, attention to these little things is what makes the difference. So let's care better. What else can we do to love better as leaders? We can inspire and motivate. I love to be inspired. I really love to be inspired. Leaders empower others to become their better selves. Because they care about knowing what is important to people and to bring out the best in other people. It isn't just about hitting my goal or, you know, uh, what I want to do, but it is about our goal together. Leaders are chief motivators. They're not just chief administrators. They inspire and they motivate others. Proverbs 29, 18, right? says, where there is no vision, the people perish. People need a vision. I need a vision too. We are people looking to be inspired, to be engaged. So when leaders inspire and they motivate, they encourage others and they lift others up. They create an atmosphere an environment where people want to do their best and want to be their best and give their best. So Owen McManus shared this on his podcast. Uh, If you don't know who is he, he is the pastor, author of many best-selling books. He's a futurist, filmmaker, fashion designer, and says this, if you are shaping an environment, you are leading. And when you are creating an environment where people are made better, that's leading at an optimal level. Early on in your leadership, when you're young, when you're trying to find out your leadership muscles, you need the environment to carry you. But as you develop your leadership, you should be able to step into any environment and carry it. So leaders step into a space and they carry the atmosphere. They add to the room. They bring faith, they bring great energies into that space. So when we are younger, we rely a lot on the environment to motivate us, to encourage us, to carry us. If if we're not at our best, it's always something else is the problem. It's like during worship, maybe you need a worship leader to, you know, on stage to stir you up, to encourage you. If not, God feels miles and miles away from you. Or in a game, you need your friends to carry you, right? You need others to thank and help you feel better. But as you develop and grow as leaders, you should be able to step into a space and carry the atmosphere. You should be able to inspire and motivate not just yourself, but other people up. And I have seen great leaders. They are just able to, in an instance, switch on faith and hope in a room, in a space. It's always very inspiring and very awesome to watch. They walk in and the energy in the room charges and changes. So by that, you definitely know that God is a leader, right? When God is in a room, you know it. He brings life and transformation into that space. So to all all ministry ICs, youth leaders, all leaders, right? Inspire and motivate. Don't just check off a to-do. Don't just administrate. What you need to do is empower people. Think about what you can say, what you can do whenever you are leading to inspire and to motivate. Also, I want to encourage you, step into a space and carry it. Be intentional. Tell yourself, I am going to bring faith, I'm going to bring hope and joy and life into my teams. And especially if I'm leading, I'm going to create an environment of great energy. So that's the first one, to love. Okay, second is to laugh. Ha ha, right? (laughs) So a leader laughs. So Proverbs 17, 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So laugh because there are many benefits to having a cheerful heart. So many I can't share all of them with you, but I will share some. So at a personal level, research found that humor makes us more engaged in the moment and helps us to remember more content after that. So before you start to study, right, it might be a good idea to have a good laugh first. Because research actually says that you remember better. 
Research also shows that laughing changes the chemistry of your brain to make you more open to connect, more creative, more resourceful, and more resilient to stress. Sounds good, right? So there's more. You make more money. <laughs> so top executives prefer cheerful employees. They believe that these employees, they do better work. Salespeople are more successful to close a deal if they add in a hint of humor. <laughs> so however, with all the benefits, right, that's it. Do you know that the number of times, I have to say this, we laugh each day actually plummets at age, want to guess? 23. It plummets. It goes all the way on a declining scale to 80 years old and then it peaks from 80. But it's a long journey there, right? And what happens is that people lose positive impact on their health. Research shows so much so that we could be 30% more susceptible to disease and cutting our lifespan by as much as eight years because of that. So smile more, laugh more because you look better and you are better according to research. So when it comes to team, right, that's personal team, laughter helps you to build trust with your team. Laughter is a signal of trust and psychological safety, like very much like eye contact, like a hug, people feel safe. And laughter is contagious. You are many more times more likely to laugh around other people than when you are alone. And the more laughter you bring into your life, the happier you become. And you bring happiness to other people around you as well. And, you know, it has a little ripple effect. And the thing is, shared laughter strengthens relationships when two people laugh together. Because it adds joy and resilience and especially unites people during difficult times. Even if you're unable to change the difficult, stressful situation, if you share a laugh together... You will all feel happier, more relaxed, and more positive. You see, when we laugh with one another, a positive bond is created. And this bond is a strong buffer against stress, disagreements, and disappointments, which happens in a team. It is also a powerful way to heal from resentments and hurts. Laughter makes it easier for you to let go of your anger and resentment and judgment and criticisms and doubts and all that. So now, let me caveat this. When we are talking about laughter, right, for all the youth, we are talking about laughing with someone. Not laughing at someone. Very good. So that's the difference, right? We teach here that don't make fun of other people. Don't laugh at other people. If you want to laugh, laugh at yourself. Yes. Because it's not cool uh, and there is no need to belittle other people. It's not funny. So laugh with people together. Laugh with someone is to say that I see you, I get you, I get your joke, I get what you're talking about. It builds connection and trust. So find more ways to laugh with your teams more. And every leader needs a good laugh, really. Every leader needs. Because failure is so common. And we make a lot of mistakes. It, it's, it, it takes a great deal of hard work to get to our goals. And when we learn to laugh, we are better at letting go and moving on. Yeah. Laughter is a great coping mechanism. Yeah. Life, you know, itself brings challenges that can either bring out the best in you or the worst in you. And after time is the later one, right? <laughs> so when you take yourself too seriously, you become your own problems and become your own obstacle. You become too fragile and before you know it, the meltdown is coming. So it, and it becomes very hard to think outside the box and find new solutions. So there are times to be serious, but other times have a good laugh. Okay? So how do we develop our sense of humor? I really need our, sang uh, our fellow sanguine friends' help, okay? Because <laughs> I'm a pretty serious person, I would say. So how do we develop our sense of humor? Number maybe the youth are really great at this, right? Number one is to laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. Share fun moments, hilarious ones, maybe embarrassing ones. Learn to laugh at yourself. 
the best way to take yourself less seriously is to talk about the times you took yourself too seriously. So I know my friend, uh, Regina does this very well. She is really fun and very, you know, just really good at doing this. I don't know why, but Regina is a very interesting person. And whenever we do come together, right, we always run into funny situations. Or I would say situations that we make it funny. So half the time I'm laughing uh, when I'm with her because I see her laughing and then she will be laughing because she sees me laughing. So a story, right? We were at Paris last year and boy, did we have um, so many misfortunes now that I think about it. <laughs> but all I can remember is that we laugh so much. I only have time to tell you one story. And, uh, and by the way, when I, I was laughing by myself at night when I was writing this story. <laughs> Uh, and she's looking at me and she's thinking, which story is Gary's going to be sharing? So the first day we landed, right, in, uh, in Paris, and we checked in to our Airbnb. Uh, and Regina, you know, she is already 10 steps ahead of me. She stepped into the room, and as a melancholic mind and brain, she already gone into demarcation mode. Where should everything be? How many rooms are there? How many toilet papers are there? You know, that kind of thing. So she's already there doing that. And what was I doing? I was struggling to get the luggages past the door. Which, by the way, the luggages itself is a hilarious story because Regina was helping to carry these carpets, the one on stage. These carpets um, you see here from Morocco all the way to Singapore. And they were 7 plus kg. In, in weight. So the problem is, that's fine. I mean, a little bit heavy for us, but that's fine. The problem is the wheels on her luggage is spinning out of control. So I was looking at her luggage, right? And I was looking at her struggling with her luggage. And she was looking at me like, why are you laughing? Because I was thinking, I was like, why is everybody else's luggage wheels moving in one direction when the person's pushing it? But your luggage, you know, all the wheels are spinning 360 degrees when she's trying to move it. <laughs> so you can imagine how rebellious and heavy the, <laughs> her luggage were, right? While we dragged them all the way from um, the airport to our Airbnb with no uh, escalator, elevator in the MRT. So traveling to our Airbnb is another story, okay? It's another story. It's very hilarious. But to make matters worse, right? To make everything worse, she was not having the easiest of time. She was having a stomach viral infection, which we don't know what it is. She, she has to go to the toilet every now and then. So, I, I, you know, I was looking at her with the struggling luggage, with the, you know, the wheel spinning 360 degrees. Like, you push luggage, you don't know which direction it's going, that kind of thing. And I was really amused and I was really amazed also because she was laughing and she was cracking jokes along the whole way with all that's happening. She's unwell, you know, and, and she feels vomitish and all that. She doesn't have a good appetite. And then we have a very packed schedule that, you know, the hour by hour kind of schedule. Like, we got to get here by this time. Let's get going. Anyways, so back to where we were at Airbnb, right? So we are still there. By the way, um, by the time I got our luggage through the door, she had already walked one whole round in the, our, you know, our apartment. And then she screamed and she exclaimed, where is our bed? And then, uh, we just stare at each other and then we stare at the only bed-like bed furniture in the one-room space. And then we just burst out laughing for a good I don't know how long because it turns out the sofa is the bed. The sofa is the makeshift bed. It was epic because we found it very amusing because the photos were... I mean, it's, it's a good space. It's just that the photos were not what we've expected about the actual space. Yeah, so that's not the only incident, but I don't have time to tell you more. So we shall move on. Number two is not just to laugh at yourself, but to smile and to stimulate, to simulate laughter. I know it sounds very technical, right? Simulate laughter. Do we have to be so, is it so pathetic that we have to simulate laughter now? But the thing is, do you know the cool thing is that our body don't know the difference between a real or a fake laugh. Do you know that? So if you simulate laughter, like literally, ha ha ha, ha ha ha, really, your body releases good, those good chemicals as well. And if you mimic laughter in your body, it will turn real quickly. So if somebody's telling a joke and you don't find them funny, 
just laugh along with them. Just mimic and laugh. Ha, 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 ha. And before you know it, it will trigger genuine laughter. So I encourage you to go try it. That's number two. Number three is to be you. It's to be you. To be your own version of humor. So Dr. Jennifer Acker, professor at the Stanford Graduate School, and Naomi McDonough, a lecturer at Stanford Graduate, they wrote this book called Humor Seriously. And they shared that there are four humor styles. Let's see which one are you, right? Again, it's a two-by-two matrix. So we have the standout, okay? It's a person who is bold, natural entertainer. They are not afraid to ruffle a few feathers to get a good laugh. They're very expressive, very sanguine, and very aggressive. Next, we have the magnet, right? Someone who is very expressive or so, but warm, outgoing. They get everybody laughing. Maybe like some of, our, some of your moms or some of our moms, they are very generous with their laughter. You can hear them downstairs. They avoid, however, they avoid controversial humor. So a little bit different from stand-up, right? They try to keep things positive, warm, and uplifting. Nothing too personal, nothing too confrontational. Number three, we have the sweetheart. People who are very earnest and very honest. They use humor to uplift other people. Similar to magnets, they're very nice and warm and, you know, but they're just a little bit more subtle. Lastly, we have the sniper. I'm sure you know where the name comes from, right? So very edgy, nuanced, very sarcastic. They joke to make a point. But the thing is, good sniper, they don't tear people down. They joke to make a point. But different from stand-up is that they don't seek the spotlight and the limelight. So if you still don't know where you go, usually what makes us laugh um, gives some indication what we might make other people laugh. So let me say this, that the point is not about being the funniest person in the room, okay? The goal is not to, you know, be as funny as you can. It is just a tool for you to access joy more easily and to have a sense of humor. And depending on your style, right, and the people that you want to connect with, so let me just bring it a little deeper. So if you are connecting and trying to connect with someone who is a stand-up, someone who is a sniper, how they grow closer, you will be surprised, is they build intimacy through teasing. They build intimacy through harmless bantering. So if you banter with them, you tease them a little bit, you let them tease you a little bit, that's how you grow closer to each other. But if you're connecting with a magnet or a sweetheart, right, they connect through silly jokes, silly videos, silly things. So, they are just a little bit different. So, they also give a caution to the styles. So, if you are a stand-up or a sniper, be careful. Don't offend and put people down. The line is close. For magnets, for sweetheart, do not put yourself down. Do not put yourself down. Don't do self-deprecating jokes. Basically, laugh at yourself to the degree where you are devaluing yourself. That's a difference, okay? Laughing at yourself, you know, laughing at, oh, this thing happens, haha, right? It's different from devaluing yourself to the point where you are worthless as compared to the other person just to make the other person listen to you or to engage with you. Don't do that. So to sum it up, humor is to lift all of us up. You and me, okay? And there's no one way to be humorous. So I want to encourage you, lean into your style. But at the same time, as leaders, learn to read the room and learn to be aware who you're connecting with and that everyone connects a little bit differently, right? So learn to laugh. That's the second one. Last one is to lead. Yay, lead. So a leader. Obviously, the word has the word lead. A leader leads. At the end of the day, the leader leads. So after all you've learned about live, learn, listen, love, love, with all the values and the gifts and talents and skills and all the two-by-two matrix that you know, the last bit is that you have to step out and lead. 
So you may have visions, dreams, good intentions, ideals, but you actually have to roll up your sleeves and get down to work and to work hard. And what that means is that a leader makes things happen. What's your purpose here? What are you trying to achieve? What needs to get done? Then go do it. So leaders move things forward. They also move teams forward in a better direction. The thing is, there are many, many reasons why leaders don't lead. I find usually it's because something is holding them up. The traffic. (laughs) Something is holding them back. And that's why they're not leading. And some of which is, number one, I find fear is the first thing. And this is very common for young and for rising leaders. This is like the first barrier that you will always run into, fear. Very, very scary when all eyes are on you. Especially when things go wrong, okay? So you can be this amazing youth with a great heart, with a great attitude, skillful, capable, you have great ideas. But then you're very, very shy to step up and to speak up or to own up. You always hide behind someone. If it's not someone, it is the wall. If it's not the wall, it's something else. So I want to encourage all youth, lead. Be brave to take up your space. And that means come to the front lines and say, let's do this. Let's go this way. Speak up and say, let's make this happen. It's on me. I've got this. Okay? Come forward. You will not grow. Neither will your teams grow until you stand your ground. Until you say that I will make this happen. And if you make a mistake, you know what? Have the courage to own it and to go at it again. So to all of you, right, so many of you have dreams to lead here in Tivo. And that's very, very awesome. Whenever I hear a testimony or whenever I hear you speak. And on a very personal level is I know many of you personally. I've seen you grow. I've seen you change. You have a great heart. You're kind. You love people. You're genuine. You're capable. You're smart. To add on, you are cool. You are fun. I would love to be led by you. So the thing is, you got to be confident to live out what God has already put inside of you. you got to step up to lead. Step up to pursue your goals. Step up to make things happen in your teams. Don't let fear stop you. That's the first thing. The second obstacle I find um, holding leaders back, right, is focus. For whatever reasons, we as leaders lose sight of what we are doing. We suddenly wake up one day and ask ourselves, why are we here? <laughs> what are we doing? What needs to be done? It could be we get too caught up with life, with problems we need to solve, with COVID-19, with our computer games that is bugging us, that it needs to level up, level up, level up. Come, give me attention. Or we get distracted by new things, by new goals, by new trends. So we change our minds and we never get focused to get down to doing what needs to be done to actually move things forward. So you either never do anything at all and nothing grows. Or you do what's minimal and expected and nothing grows. Or you're doing everything but nothing is growing. What we like to say, a lot of movement but no progress. So it's funny, you know, it's like you want to be a chef. But then, you spend most of your time watching people cook. That's fine. But you're watching people mukbang. So, to me, when people tell me that, it sounds like more like they like to eat more than they want to be a chef. I don't know. Or maybe you have a goal for your teams. You know, you tell a team, hi guys, hi, the three of us. This season, we're going to really step out to connect with friends and to love them genuinely, to work on our heart and our intention. So, you plan activities, you plan events, you know, to connect with friends, right? But after a while, after a while, you get too caught up to want to run more and more and more fun activities because it's so fun, you know, and it's great. You want your teams to do running, b-balling, volleyball, soccer, rock climbing, every sport under the sky. You start to train them how to, how to kick the ball into the goal and all that. All is good, okay? This is good. Except that your team's gotten so busy learning how to rock climb. 
and whatnot, to connect with friends and to love people better. It's not wrong, it's just that it's not focused. And I would say I probably have done this. <laughs> I'll admit, okay, I, I love to be busy. I love to work. The illusion of progress, I know. So when it comes to focus, we can all be guilty of as leaders at some point. It's a common mistake we need to learn. Sometimes we need mentors to point it out for us, really. Like, I can be so blind to what is actually working and what's not working. And I need CJ, I need my leaders to give objectivity into what I'm actually doing. So remember, what's a leader's job? A leader's job is to make things happen. I want to push it further to say, a leader's job is to make growth happen. Whatever that growth is, it can be a number, it can be a skill, it can be an intangible goal, intention. A leader grows the team. Don't be mistaken that just because you are checking off your to-do list or you are meeting your deadlines that you are growing. Just because you are checking off your to-do and just because your to-do have 20 items on it and just because you're meeting a deadline doesn't mean growth. Growth is progress. You have to ask yourself, am I growing my team? And if you are not, then it's time to find your focus. Okay. The third one is frame. So we have fear, focus, and we have frame. And when it comes to frame, I'm talking about the frame of our mind, of our heart. I find that sometimes leaders have everything they need to lead. They have good heart, skills, they are great communicators, they love in a big way, they are funny, they are interesting people, just every quality you can think of under the sky, they have it. But then, they are not leading. And what's holding them back is they are struggling personally. And I find that the hardest struggle is the ability to change the way we think. In the world of business, right, there are occasions where leaders don't lead. And that is when they are either unwilling to change or they are unable to change alongside the market's demands. So having struggles have never disqualified and denied a leader's place to lead. Let me say this. Having struggles has never disqualified or denied a leader's place to lead. There is not a single leader I know who is really trying to create growth that doesn't struggle. If you know somebody, please tell me. I would like to get to know them. It's a myth that you can only lead when you have had it all together. In fact, people with this mindset ends up struggling, unfortunately, even more. I've never seen someone gotten better when they have stopped serving others. Never. They've only gotten more confused and more angry. This is what I've known so far to be true and what CJ always reminds me when I'm struggling as well. Because the temptation to go, nah, I'm struggling, I need to break, right? But it's not good for you. Every time I realize when I struggle greatly, I'm talking about I find it very hard to recover and get into the game, right? Struggle greatly to step up to the game. It's got to do with something in the way I think about something. I know that this is true, but I just can't change my mind and the way I feel about it. That's when I struggle. And I cannot play at an optimal level, right? I cannot change the way, it can be the way you're looking at your own pain, the way that you're looking at other people. Something needs to adjust and something needs to change. There is a deeper truth that I need to seek out and to uncover. So I want to be honest here to say that this can be challenging depending on what it is. But this is so necessary and so freeing. Especially if you have ever come out from the other side, you will know that this is very freeing and very important to have as a leader to change and to always be evolving. It isn't that the struggle has went away, but that it, the struggle is in the right proportion, in the right compartment. It isn't that the struggle has shrunk. It's just that you have grown much bigger in size. So I want to encourage all our leaders, be open to change. 
I cannot emphasize enough, don't be so quick to say that I already know how it works. Because I have seen um, jaded leaders or even angry leaders, or even when I'm struggling, the tendency to think that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I know how it works. I know how people work. I know how the world spins. I know how things will turn out. And it's not that you are wrong, right? It's not that it's not true, but that it might not be completely true is the thing. And that little degree of difference is what makes the difference. So I want to encourage you, be open to the possibility that you are seeing something. The way that you're seeing something may not be completely true. Be open that maybe you need to change the way you think. And very often, if you're struggling, it's always the way that you are thinking about something. So to all ICs, you know, if you're serving on the leadership team, you're leading here, you're rising leaders, I want to encourage you, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't let fear, um, don't let a lack of focus, don't let the way you think hold you back from leading. You know, live out who you are with courage. You have so much good to give, so I want to encourage you to step into your role and to grow your teams. And to the rest, you know, and to the whole entire TiVo fam and to all our teams across, um, you know, church CGs and ministries and every other teams, events and all that. I want to encourage you, we are all called to use our gifts and talents in service to others. And you are capable to lead. You are capable because you are capable to serve. Of all the places, and I want to encourage you, of all the places that you get a chance to lead in, it's always a privilege to lead, right? I also want to invite you to lead here in this team. To give your gifts and your talents in service to other people here. Because I believe that God deserves the best. The best of not just our finances, you know, not just of our skills, of our talents, you know, where we kind of help out and all that. No, God wants and deserves the best of us, of our leadership of our heart. The best talent and the best people, I believe, they can always be found in the house of God. And you see, we are out to build God's home, right? A home. We are out to build God a community that He can move in. That's what we're, we're doing here, right? We are, we're trying to build a place that represents and is an extension of His love, um, of who Jesus is, of His peace, of His power. Then, all the more, we all have to step in to lead. We all got to lead and we all got to make growth happen. Amen. Yeah.